Matthew chapter 9. And uh, the text that we're going to go to tonight is no surprise to you. If you've ever been in a mission conference before, if you've ever been in a mission service before, uh, you have heard these verses. I would assume that there is rarely a mission conference that goes by that these verses aren't read and discussed. And so it is a very familiar passage to you tonight. Uh, But what I would want to do tonight is just give you this theme or this thought uh, of really walking with Jesus. Let's just take a moment tonight and just kind of walk with Him and just consider what He was seeing and what He was experiencing when He was here upon this earth and how He gave us a challenge considering the thought of missions. When you consider going on a walk with somebody, my wife loves to go on walks. I, on the other hand, do not desire to go on walks. And uh, I always try to find every excuse of why I can't go on a walk with my wife. She'll say, it's a beautiful night, we should go on a walk. And I'll say something like this, the football game starts in 20 minutes, you know, and something along those lines. But here's what happens, when you go on a walk with somebody, uh, you get to have just a nice conversation, don't you? Uh, You get to see things together, you get to experience life together. And going on a walk with somebody is very beneficial to our life. And we're going to just walk through this passage with Jesus tonight, and we're going to see what Jesus saw, and we're going to ask Him to help us to respond exactly how He told us to respond. Let's look at these familiar verses in Matthew chapter 9. Pick up in verse number 35, if you would, and here they are. The Bible says, "...and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people." But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they were fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray together tonight. Lord Jesus, I love You and I thank You for the great day that You've blessed us with here. And Lord, we've been able to worship You. That was our, our main goal and our main objective this morning was to gather with a called out assembly of believers and to worship You. And Lord, You've given us that opportunity. Lord, You have given us the opportunity to have the Word of God open before us and prayerfully our, our lives have been challenged. Lord, You've given us the opportunity to partner with Uh, this mission family, Lord, and uh, they're one step closer to getting to the field now, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, Lord, now You're giving us the opportunity to again glean from the Word of God. Lord, my concern is often that we could approach a very familiar passage and uh, just consider, well, we've learned everything we need to about that, and we could just sit and buy our time until the sermon is over. But God, I pray tonight, Lord, no matter if we've preached from this passage, no matter if we've taught lessons, Lord, maybe it might be our first time wherever we find ourselves, I pray that we'd be listening to the Holy Spirit of God. And God, I do pray that you would help us as we consider, uh, Lord, this walk with you, what you were seeing, what you were experiencing, and how you responded, and how you teach us to respond. And Lord, I do pray you would do a great work in this church throughout this month. In Jesus' name, amen. Context of Matthew chapter number 9, there's a lot happening in this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter number 9, early on, Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. Uh, The publicans and sinners in verse number 10 are eating with Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 10. 
Uh, In chapter 9, verses 18 and 19, Jesus heals the ruler's daughter. Uh, Maybe you know when you get to chapter 9, verse 20, you find uh, Jesus healing this woman with the issue of blood. I'm sure maybe you've heard a, a little bit about the woman with the issue of blood. Plenty of things are happening. In verse number 35, we get to this realization that Jesus' life and His ministry is in full swing. Look back at verse 35 with me, if you would, and see what Jesus was experiencing. It says, He went out about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. How many of you have ever taken time to teach something before? You've been a teacher of something. It takes, it's a lot of work to prepare for that, isn't it? It's a, it takes a lot. After you've taught something, your mind is, you're tired. Uh, you've given of yourself. You've given of those things that you have and the knowledge that you might have. Well, here's Jesus, and He's not just teaching in the synagogues. Uh, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's taking time, the Bible says, He's healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Do you get the picture as we're journeying with Jesus tonight that He's busy about the Father's business? He's doing what God sent Him to this earth to do. He's preaching, He's teaching, He's he's healing, and He's taking care of all the individuals that He needs to. But we get to verse number 36, and on the walk with Jesus, something happens. Look what it says in verse 36, but when He saw, when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion. What Jesus saw moved Him. I want to encourage you with this thought tonight. What we expose ourselves to makes a major impact on our life. The people that we see and the things that we experience in this life, it ought to be impacting us. And so, a moment after moment, Jesus is teaching and He's preaching and He's healing and He's spending all of His time and, and something overcame Him and what He saw began to impact Him. And so therefore, He was moved with compassion. I want you to notice first on our journey this word compassion, if you would. Compassion is a yearning or a sympathy. You see, it's one thing to think about being compassionate. It's a whole other thing to be moved with compassion. Uh, I'm sure your town is not much different than mine in this fact. Uh, that you might find yourself at many different stoplights. And when you're there at a stoplight, especially over in uh, the Levittown area, we have a lot of folks that uh, unfortunately they are uh, searching maybe for a place to live. They're homeless and and they're needing help in different areas. And, and, And there's not a day that goes by that I'm not driving in our area and there's somebody standing at a stoplight that they're trying to to gain some money in certain ways. Well, sometimes there are opportunities for me to be compassionate. There are opportunities for me to do something about it, but there are often opportunities that I pass by and I don't do anything. Do you get the difference between the thought of being compassionate and being moved with compassion? Well, here's Jesus, and the Bible says that He was moved with compassion. Uh, Something happened in His life. There was a yearning. There was a sympathy sympathy happening. Many people see things uh, that, that call for action, but they never allow it to move them to the place of action. Thailand. You've been there for six months. You told us at lunch today. You spent six months of your life there. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm pretty sure that you saw some things that moved you, your heart and moved you to be compassionate about it. 
He didn't spend six months in Thailand and come back and think, well, there's no work to be done there. He spent time there, and what happened is what he saw moved him to the point that he says, I'm going to now go back and and gain the resources necessary to come back to this place and do something about it. And so Jesus is moved with compassion. Uh, Jesus' whole reason for coming to this earth kind of describes our Savior, doesn't it? Compassionate. I want you to think about what Jesus was seeing. It says when He saw the the multitudes. He didn't just say when He saw a few people, when He saw a few individuals. It said that He saw the multitudes. All the people that were coming to Him needing healing, needed things taken care of. And He saw something and it, it moved Him. Moved with compassion. Mark 2 and verse number 17. The Bible says when Jesus heard it, He saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. Look what Jesus says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Uh, Jesus is all about people's lives being transformed. And so we recognize He didn't come for the righteous. He came uh, to call those sinners to repentance. Uh, Mark 10 and verse number 45, the Bible says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give His life a ransom for many. Here's what we know about our Savior. Everything about His life was for others. Everything about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ was lived so that others' lives could be changed and others could have the opportunity to know the Father like He knows the Father. So in our text, Jesus is moving about these cities and villages and He's seeing things that moved Him. Look at verse number 36, if you would. We see the word uh, compassion. But secondly, tonight, I want you to see this, if you would. Jesus saw something else. He saw a void in leadership. Look at verse number 36. When He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them. Why? Now stop for a moment and look here. I'm sure that Jesus was concerned about their sickness. Right? He was healing them. I'm sure that He was concerned about their poverty. I'm sure that He was concerned about those things in their life, but when you study the Bible and you read this text, the thing He was most concerned about is that there was a void in leadership in their life. And so the Bible says this, He was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they were fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. He saw the multitudes and he recognized and he realized all of these individuals and all the sickness and all the poverty, something that trumps all of that is the reality that they don't have a shepherd. They need someone that's going to lead them and someone that's going to guide them. There are not enough people concerned about the harvest. That's what Jesus is talking about. He says they have no shepherd. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, I think we're familiar with it. It would be fitting for this conference. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Boy, your pastor mentioned it. It was mentioned in the question and answer time. This church exists. Why? To make disciples. Isn't that what I heard this morning? I might not have said it word perfect, but disciples making disciples? Right, so if you're here tonight and you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you have that relationship with Him, uh, according to what I'm understanding from the Bible and what I'm understanding about this church, you have a responsibility to make disciples. You know what Jesus says? 
He's looking about. We're on this walk with Jesus and he sees the multitude and he recognizes there's a void in leadership. There are people that are not concerned about the harvest. There are people that are not concerned about making disciples. He says they have no shepherd. Boy, as a child of God, there ought to be a burning desire within all of our hearts to see an individual uh, exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought to be desirous that everybody have the opportunity to respond to the Savior like you've had. I have the opportunity occasionally in my life to uh, maybe take a flight out, and so I would uh, pick Philadelphia International Airport just like you would, I'm sure, if you're going to fly anywhere. You'd probably fly out of Philly. And uh, depending on what flight pattern they bring back as the plane is coming back home, uh, often we'll go over a portion of Philadelphia that is so overpopulated that as I'm in the plane, I'm looking out thinking, is there even a street? It just looks like millions of homes down there. Now, if they fly over this area and taking the pattern back, uh, we can kind of see there's some land and things like that. But you get closer to Philadelphia. You know what I often think when I'm on that airplane? I look down at those homes, and I don't know if you do anything like this or not, but I look down at those homes, I look at those neighborhoods, and you know what I wonder? Is there someone in that neighborhood that has the gospel of Jesus Christ? You get what I'm saying? You get the picture tonight? Uh, it ought to move within us the reality that there are people in this world that don't have a shepherd. And as Jesus was here and Jesus was living among this earth, He was moved with compassion. He was desirous to do something to, to change the situation. But the reason He was moved is because they, there was a void in leadership. They had no shepherd. Thirdly, I want you to see that not only did He see a void in leadership, it kind of goes along with the same thought of no shepherd. He saw a people with no direction. He says they were, they were scattered. They were scattered abroad. People without biblical leadership in their life, they're left to do what? They're left to wonder. They're left to try to figure out life on their own. Now, I'm not going to take time to preach this sermon tonight, but the reality is we all need a shepherd in our life. We all need someone that is an overseer, that is a, a protector, that is a guide, uh, that is a guard, uh, that is looking out for the wolves. And I'm not going to preach this sermon tonight, but the reality is you're a blessed people. You have a shepherd. And you have someone that is going to the Father and is, is seeking direction and is looking out for your families and is, is desirous to lead you and to guide you. And, and you ought to be following the shepherd. And as he is following the chief shepherd, are we following that tonight? And Jesus looks out, and you know what He saw? He saw a vast majority, the multitudes of people, and they had no shepherd. I'm thankful that Jesus gives us answers to everything. Look at verse number 37. Because at this point in the story, on this journey, I'm a little discouraged. Jesus, I'm, I'm glad you're compassionate and I'm glad that you were moved and I'm glad that you identify that they don't have a shepherd, but where does that leave us? Well, here's what Jesus says. Verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Look what he says. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Fourthly tonight, I would get, ask you to understand this. Jesus provided instruction on how to remedy what he was seeing. 
He left us with instruction. He gave his disciples, this is how you remedy the problem of there not being a shepherd. Verse 38, what's he say? Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest. Church, could I encourage you tonight? You and I have a responsibility to pray. To pray for laborers. But don't just pray that God would send others. Pray about whether or not God would have you to be a part of the solution. The reality is we have too often said, we're all set. We've got the agenda. We know how things are going to play out. We know what our life looks like, and we've got it laid out. And if you have been here all day, then you know that we started with Abram. 75 years of age, and God says, all right, it's time to get up. It's time to go. Leave the familiar for the unfamiliar. Follow me into the unknown. 75 years of age. I would think in 75 years, we've got some roots tied down. We've got some things figured out. We're probably pretty comfortable. If you know anything about Abraham's life, he had, he had a lot of goods that he had acquired in those times. And God said, no, it's time to get up. It's time to go. Now, I want you to go back to Matthew chapter number 9 because I want you to, in this thought of while you are following verse number 38, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers. Please don't discount yourself in that prayer. Right? By the way, it's easier for me to pray that you will go than it would be that, that maybe, Lord, you would have me to go. I mean, I've been praying for Tyler Austin to go for 14 years now. Just kidding. I just wanted to wake your pastor up for a moment, all right? Matthew chapter 9. Look at verse number 9, if you would. Matthew 9 and verse 9. Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And what does your Bible say? The Bible teaches me that when Jesus passed by and he sees Matthew there about his daily business, he's at the receipt of customs, right? He's there taking in that money. He's exchanging what he needs to exchange. Jesus passes by and says, follow me. He immediate, the Bible says that he followed him. Now, I have a few questions. Have you ever wondered who took over for him? Have you ever wondered who finished balancing the books? Somebody had to too. But it doesn't say that Matthew was even necessarily concerned about that. The Bible says that he followed him. Now you say, well, that might be a little too literal. Maybe he didn't get up at that very moment. I don't know how it all played out, but I know that Matthew was willing to leave his income. He was willing to leave everything that God had allowed into his life, and he was willing to follow Jesus into the unknown, just like Abram did that we saw this morning. Jesus says, look, he says, disciples, I'm burdened and I'm moved with compassion because as I see this world, as I see people going about, they're scattered abroad, they have no direction, they have no shepherd, they need someone in their life. So here's how we remedy that. Jesus says, pray that God would send forth laborers into his harvest. And as we consider what God might have us to do, don't ever forget that your career is God's provision in your life so that you will have the resources to accomplish His will. As a believer, your career is not what defines you. Your life in Christ is what defines you. 
Right? So who you are in Christ is the definition of your life. And everything that God has blessed you with is simply a resource that we can put right back into getting the Gospel all around this world so that others can know Him. And so here's what he says. Pray that God would send forth laborers. But I want to point one other thing out on this walk with you if we could. And I want you to go back into your Bibles. And I'll be through here in just a couple moments. But look back, if you would, at verse number 37. Because Jesus points out to His disciples something that we are pretty desirous of. I don't know about you, but I, I like to see things that have been harvested, right? Look what He says. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is what? You know what Jesus just said? There is a harvest. There is an abundant harvest. But there's a problem. The laborers. There is a world that is ready and needing to be harvested. What does that mean? The gospel uh, can take root in someone's life and the gospel can change someone's life. But we need people to go and give the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, look, there's plenty to harvest. By the way, the one speaking in this passage is the Lord of the harvest, right? He is responsible for the harvest. He's responsible for the fruit. I'm not responsible for the fruit. I'm responsible to give the truth. He's responsible to change the lives. Are we following that? And so this is the Lord Jesus Christ. The lie of the devil today is that people will not be saved. Uh, the lie that many have bought into is that there is no hope that this world is lost. But I want to remind you today, and I want to encourage you, the gospel of Jesus Christ is as powerful today as it has ever been. Jesus desires to change lives. There are people in Thailand that inevitably are going to be saved because the gospel is going to get there. You know what we've got to do? We've got to pray. We've got a family right here that tonight you all have decided with your pastor's leadership, you've partnered with them tonight. And can I encourage you? You didn't just partner with them when you voted tonight. You didn't just say, I'll give a couple extra dollars. I really pray this is true. This church, you need to be praying for them. The reality is the devil would like nothing more than to destroy their life and keep them from the field. And so now we have the privilege, we have someone that we are connected to, that we are invested in, that we can see get to the field. we got to pray. And we got to pray that God would send more of them. And so every day of our life, we ought to be getting up like our Savior and recognizing, hey, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There's a large harvest. The world's not getting any smaller People say it is getting smaller just because of social media. We're getting closer maybe and we can connect with one another. But the reality is the population is continuing to grow. That means that there's more work to be done than there's ever been to be done. And what do we have to do? We have to get the gospel into their lives and allow Christ to transform them. I don't know about you, but on our journey and our walking with Jesus tonight, I've maybe been considering the world in which I live and the things that my eyes have seen. The sad truth of the matter is you don't have to even go a half a mile from here to find somebody that needs a shepherd. Could I ask us tonight, are are we becoming callous to that? You see, when I watch our Savior and I watch His life, 
I don't see our Savior looking at sinful people and shaming them and shaming them and shaming them. For instance, let me use an illustration. There was a, a woman taken in adultery and they bring her in. And the religious people were saying what? By law, we should be stoning her. And Jesus says, okay, I give you permission. He that's without sin among you, you be the first to cast the stone. You know what he just said? If you can find a, a perfect one amongst you, just start hailing stones at her. But no, every one of us has flaws in our life. Our Savior didn't walk around this world shaming sinners. Our Savior came to give His life for the sinner. Our Savior came to redeem them. And on my journey with Him through the Gospel, here's what we find. He was moved with compassion. I just want to ask you tonight, church, as we close, are you moved with compassion? I mean, when you see this world, do you see the void in leadership? Spiritual leadership? Do you see a void in recognizing, hey, these individuals need a shepherd. I need to get on my knees and I need to pray that God would send someone into that harvest field because there is a harvest. God is not lacking. God will provide. We must go and leave the fruit up to Him. I ask you tonight, how is it when it comes to the thought of the harvest? What's your involvement in the work of the Lord? He is using His current creation to proclaim His name. What is your part in seeing this fulfilled? Now, everyone in this church, I want to encourage you, everyone ought to be giving. Everyone ought to be praying. And more ought to be going. It would start with us getting on our knees and asking God, God, would you send laborers into your harvest?